Amen. 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 With the horns now. Amen. With the rhythm now. Amen. So we're going to be in Ecclesiastes. It's in the Old Testament, right after the Psalms. You'll find the book of Ecclesiastes if you want to turn there. Uh, I know that opening the Bible and reading it can be strange. Uh, even for those of us that grew up, if you grew up in a religious context or in a church context, it's still probably kind of weird to like open the Bible and have any sense of what it means. And Ecclesiastes is maybe one of the books that is the most um, compelling and also confusing. We're going to look at it together for the rest of the semester. Um, and as you're opening that or turning there, um, the last... Uh, this semester, there's been, you know, there's always people on campus. There's campus preachers on campus and stuff like that um, regularly. But there, there's, been a, there's been a woman on campus, a really kind woman, um, that's gone around for most of the semester. If you've been on Sanford Mall, you probably met her. And she's been going around asking everybody, hey, do you know about true salvation in Jesus Christ? Do you know about true salvation in Jesus Christ? And um, she's really kind. She'll really share with you. She's very passionate about her faith in God. And, um, you know, but it's kind of like you're sitting out in Sanford, you're having like a nice PB&J, you know, on a uh, hitting, hitting your jewel, you know, on your uh, <laughs> sipping a LaCroix, of which I have water in a LaCroix can tonight. And, uh, and this person comes up to you and you're just like talking about the Snapchats, you know, and uh, a person comes up to you and they're like, hey, can I talk to you about true salvation in Jesus Christ? And... It's a little bit disrupting because you're like living this like nice, idyllic, abstate existence. And then this person is coming and they're sort of disrupting you with this big, serious question and sort of like sort of drawing you back into reality. Oh, wow. Like, OK, we're talking about spiritual, like religious stuff here. And she didn't even like say her name first. And uh, the book of Ecclesiastes and the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes really does the same thing. It's kind of like you're going along having like your peaceful existence and then you start reading this book and you're like, oh, crap, like these are some really difficult, challenging questions and, and they need answers. And uh, so what we're going to do for the rest of the semester is I want us to be disrupted by Ecclesiastes a little bit um, to ask really hard questions about what does it mean to be happy? And what does it mean to be satisfied? So we're going to read here. Um, I believe that this is God's word, that he's speaking to us through this. Um, so I think it would do well to give our attention to it. Ecclesiastes chapter 1. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes. But the earth remains forever, and the sun rises, and the sun goes down, and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south, and it goes around to the north, and around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams go, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what has been done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. 
Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There's no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of later things yet to be among those who come after. This is a very uplifting message. I, the preacher, have been king over Israel and Jerusalem, and I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given the children of man to be busy with. I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after wind. Let's pray and ask God to be with us. Uh, Our Father, uh, we thank you. Every person in this room is different, and yet we are all the same, really, that we're unified and that we are people. And uh, Lord, in all of our diverse experiences and backgrounds, um, you know each of us. Because actually the Bible tells us that you created each of us individually and that you, you didn't just make us like, in, like a factory just pumps out things, but you actually crafted each of us. All of the billions of people on the earth and the people that have ever lived, you crafted each one of us. And Lord, therefore you know how to speak to us. And Lord, I thank you for this, this book of Ecclesiastes that is at times very maddening and confusing and can sometimes feel kind of dark. Because, Lord, it frees us to ask hard questions and talk about hard things. And, Lord, I I pray that tonight as we consider it together that you would give us a sense of hope and that you would give us a sense of your presence with us no matter who we are. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, If you spend time with me, if you know me, then we've talked about Kendrick Lamar. And uh, I'm a big fan of of Kendrick. Uh, uh, You know, his last record won a Pulitzer Prize. Dude, uh, as, as an artist, is really, a, in some ways, a singular voice of a generation of, of people. But in, uh, at the end of Mama, which is a track on To Pimp a Butterfly, there's this, uh, this, this few lines. And really, he's almost saying the same thing that the writer of Ecclesiastes, the person that calls himself the preacher, is saying. Um, when he, he's, he's asking this question, this series of questions, and he says, I've been looking for you my whole life, an appetite for the feeling I can barely describe. Where you reside, is it in a woman, is it in money or mankind? Tell me something got me losing my mind. And he's clearly searching, and he goes on to say, maybe you're in a dollar bill, maybe you're not real, maybe only the wealthy get to know how you feel. Maybe I'm paranoid, maybe I don't need you anyway. Don't lie to me, I'm suicidal anyway. I can be your advocate, I can preach for you if you tell me what the matter is. And the question, what I love about just the struggle of that whole record, and especially in that song, is Kendrick uh, Lamar, as a person that has really come up out of poverty and is having all this immense success and giftedness, is nonetheless asking this question of what does it mean to find satisfaction or happiness or, or worth or something meaningful in the world? And he's looking all over the place. He's looking at uh, you know, in, in other people, he's looking in money and power and wealth and saying, where are you? Why can't I find you? And that's the same question that the writer of Ecclesiastes is writing. And what I want to just look at together tonight with you is to sort of investigate this question. Because it's a question that we're all asking. The reason why you chose a major, the reason why you came to Appalachia in the first place, the reason why, you know, the question you ask when you go to class or go on a date or slide into a DM or, as they say, or go to a party. I think I pronounced that right. Uh, go to a party, or you apply for an internship, or you pick a major, or you pick a spring break trip. 
the question that we're always asking all the time is, will this thing give me satisfaction? Will I feel a degree of happiness in doing this thing? What can I do to ensure that this deep longing in me for happiness and satisfaction will be filled? Um, and that, that's what the, the preacher is doing. He's, he's basically asking, is there lasting satisfaction or happiness in the world? And in verse 3, it's, you know, this is, this is an ancient uh, literature, you know, um, and uh, so, so, you know, when it says man, it's really talking about mankind, humankind. It says, what does man gain by all the toil in which he toils under the sun? He's like, basically, like, does anything that I'm doing matter at all, really, in the end? And the whole book is an exploration. He looks at pleasure. He looks at sex. He looks at wealth. He looks at art. He looks at wisdom. He looks at family. And he says, is this the thing where I can find deep soul level satisfaction? Does anything really matter? And what he says is that he's looking under the sun. This is the phrase that keeps coming. He's saying under the sun, under the sun, under the sun. Basically what that means is, is there anything on earth in human experience that can quench this thirst that I have in me? to do something that is meaningful, to really matter, and to have satisfaction. And when he says under the earth, I think that, that really us in our particular time and sort of cultural moment can really connect with this phrase under the sun. Because whether you grew up in a deeply religious context or you didn't, I didn't grow up in a, in a religious context at all. Um, I was in the South, so it was around me, but it wasn't part of my experience at all. It might have been part of your experience. But we all, because of our moment, live in what a philosopher named Charles Taylor calls an imminent frame. And what he means by that is we live our lives functionally as if only the things that we can see and experience empirically exist. Like throughout all cultures and times and really throughout cultures in the rest of the world, there, there's a sense of transcendence and imminence, right? Things that are spiritual and above and away and the things that are earthly and physical and close, right? But in our moment, we only really give credence to that which we feel like is in the physical, natural realm. Regardless of what we say, we believe that's how we do life. Um, where maybe religious stuff is sort of tacked on as an emotional or spiritual thing that doesn't affect my real life. And, and, and what we're doing is the same thing. Can I find something that will satisfy me in a way that lasts? And that's the question we're all asking. And the answer that the preacher gives us is really uncomfortable in some ways. It's kind of relieving in another way because he basically says, no. He goes through all these things. He's, he's very wealthy. He, he, he tries to find this and he, he gives two images. He gives this uncomfortable answer. He says, first, trying to find happiness or satisfaction in the things of the world only. He says, it's like chasing the wind. So maybe you're out on your blanket, you know, eating your PB&J. And you were hitting your jewel, right? As I said, and uh, I enjoy I enjoy the jewel and uh, as well. And I won't tell you about how I found my jewel actually in the chair in the union one time. And I said, "Oh, this is my jewel now." So if that's your jewel, let me know because I have it. And um, but you know, you see people, you see people, they're like, "You go, I'm telling my mind the preacher uses an electronic cigarette." Um, but it's funny seeing people uh, vaping. Because, you know, the vapor, you're maybe blowing mega huge plumes, you know. And, and, but unlike, cigarette smoke used to linger, you know. But, like, vaping is just, like, there and then it's gone, right? It's like this mist that, that goes. And, and really the word that he's using there is vapor. It's like, 
trying to find lasting soul deep satisfaction in an experience, a human experience or a human possession, is like trying to catch that jewel vape. Um, vapor, right? It's like trying to grab it, but there's just some way that it's never enough. He says in verse 14, I've seen everything that's done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity. It's meaningless, and it's a striving after wind. It's never enough. And you, you know this. If there's one thing that you know, because I've talked to so many of you, it's that we consume things all the time, hoping that it will be enough, and it never is. Um, we made some spaghetti last week. It was legit spaghetti. This other guy I know makes legit spaghetti sauce. And we have a spaghetti dinner actually tie-in for RUF next week, by the way, before RUF. And this person makes this amazing spaghetti sauce. And I always bring my Tupperware and I save it and I freeze it. And then I pull it out and I make the spaghetti. And we had this great spaghetti. It was awesome. Put my kids down. I was like, oh, so full. And then about 9.30, I was pouring a bowl of cereal, you know? There was a time where I felt very satisfied for this thing, but it didn't last. It wasn't enough. Our appetites are perpetual. They perpetuate. And really, the things that, I mean, I mean, the ways that we try to get filled or full is affirmation, success, pleasure. Um, and the question that the preacher would be asking us is, how much money or sex or affirmation or rest or respect... Um, or success, how, how much would be enough to satisfy you? How much would be enough where you could actually push away from the table and say, that's enough. I'm, I'm, I'm full now. The world doesn't deliver. You know, it's breakup season. This is in like full, like, I, I, it's like, it's heart rending, but it's just, it's a lot of that going on at the moment. And uh, it's a really hard time, but it's also a really beautiful time um, because when we're in a... That's enough snickering. If you're not going through a breakup, just chill out. Just le- legitimately just shut up. Okay? Um, and uh, because you probably will. So then somebody's going to laugh at you. You know what I'm saying? Um, namely me. I'm going to laugh at you. No, I'm sorry. Um, sorry, that was, a little, that was a little extra. I'm going to pull back from that a little bit. Um, but, you know, in, 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 a, in a breakup... You know, and I've been there. I dated a girl for two and a half years, and I proposed that she said no, and we broke up. And um, and in that moment, there's just like this really acute sense of like this thing wasn't completing me. It wasn't completing the other person. Um, and then you think, you know, I'm going to get married, and then it'll be enough. And then it's not. You know, but we'll get to that in another talk. I'm going to save a whole talk for that one. One one thing uh, that, that that works this way is college. I don't know what they told y'all about college before you came here, but some of y'all came into college thinking, this is going to be the experience of my life. This is going to be the best four years of my life. That's what my dad said. Um, it's going to be the best four years of my life. I'm probably, like, in the first three months, going to make, like, these four friends, and these are going to be the four groomsmen in my wedding or bridesmaids in my wedding, uh, and, like, we're going to be tight forever. And then, like, you get to the end of, like, your first semester, and you're like, I have failed. Everyone else is doing fine. Um, I failed. Or you get to like your, your second to last semester in college and you're like, you know. The expectation was such that it just couldn't possibly. I'm going to meet the love of my life. You know, we're going to fall in love. Um, the world doesn't deliver. It's like chasing a vapor. He also says that the, it's, 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 it's really exhausting to do this. If you were thinking, if you were trying to catch that vapor, 
it'd be, it'd be exhausting trying to do that. I mean, it was really windy today. The worst thing about Boone is the wind. And uh, it's like thinking you can catch wind in a jar, and then like later on you can open it up and it'll like, whoosh, you know, like blow out, like in Harry Potter, you know. Um, but he says it's really exhausting. You know, he keeps saying like, the sun rises, the sun goes down, all the freaking water, you know, goes to wherever it freaking goes, and it's never full, and the wind just goes around and around and around, and it's like enough already, right? Nothing ever arrives. Uh, and how many times have you gone back to the same well again and again and again and again and again? Being like, it didn't work last time, but it might work this time. Right? Uh, phone notifications, you know, they give you like a legit dopamine hit, you know? And you ever had that thing happen where like you, you feel like you heard your phone, but, you, but then there was nothing there? Right? Because legitimately your brain is like, I need this, man. Like... Um, <laughs> Uh, and, and so, like, we go to check our, any of you, like, I'm turning notifications off. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be healthy. And then you're, like, constantly checking the phone, make sure you don't have anything, make sure you don't have anything. Um, our, our lives are like that. It, it's weary. It's exhausting. All things are full of weariness. And so this is, that's sort of bad news. Um, but when it comes to this place, and I think we could probably all, if we're, if we're being to be self-aware enough, say, like, yeah, like, I, that's a, there's a lot of truth to that. I really long to be happy and satisfied, and the things I try to get that satisfaction from always let me down, and it wears me out. It just wears us out. And so you have several options. Um, you're an hour Appalachian State Mountaineers will be playing my Georgia Southern Eagles next week in football. And Georgia Southern runs a type of football offense called the triple option. And go Nears, thank you. Yeah, that's fine. It'll probably be a W for the Nears. I'll be honest about that. Hmm? <laughs> and uh, we went in looking for a W, and we came out with a T. And, uh, and uh, they run a style of, anyway, an offense called the triple option, and the quarterback gets the ball. He can either hand it off to a running back, or he can keep it, and he splits out, and there's another a receiver that runs with him, or another back called the B back, and they, they run together, and he can either pitch the ball to him, or he can keep the ball. That's why it's, you have three options. Therefore, it's called the triple option, right? Okay. So um, if, you're the, if you're the quarterback of your life, and you're trying to get satisfaction, and you're like, I just can't seem to accomplish that, you have some options. And some of these you're trying. You can numb out. You can just like kind of check out of the situation. Great ways to numb out are to drink, smoke weed, uh, codeine, you know, Netflix, porn, you know, just like acting like nothing is happening all the time, right? You can numb out from life, avoid people. You can distract yourself by chasing the next thing. Um, or you can like really give up on this notion that you could actually be satisfied. And say, so, you know, I just need to adjust my expectations. Just life is not that exciting and I'm not going to be satisfied. So I'll just like set the bar low and I'll kind of give up hope that this thing inside me will be uh, satisfied. And I think those options um, are a big part. When we feel like under the sun, those are the only options that we have. Um, I think this is a big part of why, like, most negative mental health indicators are rising, right? There's a sense of hopelessness, suicide up, anxiety up, and um, we feel hopeless. Um, this is what marketing is, if you think about it. No offense to marketing majors. It's like you know and I know that those bean boots are not going to satisfy you. But, like, I'm willing to try, you know? Um, <laughs> Like, I, I know that that $2, you know, uh, beefy Crunchwrap Gordita Supreme with the Baja Blast is not going to satisfy me, but I'm willing to try. 
Um, what, so th- those are our options. Uh, the writer of Ecclesiastes does give us reason for hope. Because um, I don't think it's a good option for us to numb out, distract ourselves, or to give up hope. And here's why. At the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, the writer basically says, look, I've done everything that there is possible to do. And the only thing I've got is that you should fear God. Um, you should reject the notion that all we have is an imminent frame. You should break through the ceiling and see that there's something else there. I want to tell you something that you don't hear enough. And that is the, the longing that you have for your inward being to be satisfied is the most beautiful and human thing about you. And it is not something that should ever be suppressed. God, the the Bible would say, God created you to feel this longing. And he created you to feel that longing because God can and will and loves to satisfy that deep longing and appetite. And I think that we all, no matter what our background is, intuitively know there is an answer for this question inside of me. And I don't quite know how to find it. But it isn't under the sun. There was a, a, uh, an academic in England uh, you know, 60 or so years ago named C.S. Lewis. And he, he has this thing where he says, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. And what Lewis is saying there is, if you feel a desire that you can't find something to satisfy it, it doesn't mean that there's no answer. It just means that you don't know what it is yet. You were created for something else that could satisfy you. And I think part of what is so absolutely compelling about the Christian faith is that you don't have to give up the search for deep soul satisfaction. That you don't have to give up on the quest to actually be legitimately happy and have meaning and purpose in your life. But that desire that you have cannot begin to be filled, the preacher would say, without God. Um, Jesus called himself He used two images for himself that I think are really compelling. Um, And in the times where I'm like, I just don't think any of this is really real, kind of like what Claire was saying, which is a lot. I come back to these images that Jesus gave where he called himself the bread of life and he called himself the fountain of living water. And both of those images only really mean I'm something and someone that if you know me, I can nourish you. He says, if you, if you eat of me, you will never hunger again. If you drink of this water that I give to you, you will never thirst again. Um, satisfaction for your deep soul longing is possible. And the satisfaction to your deep soul longing is Jesus. It's not something that comes from Jesus. It's not a lifestyle that Jesus gives you. It's not a a set of rules that Jesus gives you. And you see, if I don't do these things and I do these things, then I'll have life. Or if I pray this certain way, or if I sing this certain song, then I'll have life. He's saying, no, 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 no. I am the bread of life. 
that comes from heaven to satisfy you. I am the fountain of living water. But Jesus doesn't just offer you a promise. Because we've all gotten promises that people couldn't follow up on. And that we've, we've made promises that we couldn't follow up on. Jesus actually in time and in space came down out of the transcendent frame into this world. And it's, he is God. He took on a body. He came down. He grieved. He worked through hard questions with people. And they, you know, people say the opposite of love isn't hate, it's indifference, right? It's just I just don't really care. Jesus came to us and got involved. He lived, died, and was raised because all we know how to chase is wind. And all we know is it's almost enough. And he came to save us from that. And if that is true, what, what I have to pitch to you tonight, really, speaking of marketing, uh, is that if it's true that God himself stepped out and he came into this world and he said, if you come to me, I will satisfy you. That means two things. It means you can actually face really hard things and ask really hard questions that you don't know the answer to and you don't have to detach from the world. And it means that you can have real hope. A hope that is in someone else who is actually able to deliver. That's actually able to satisfy a person at our soul level. That is the offer that Jesus has for, for each of us tonight. That you can actually begin. Jesus says, taste and see. That's the invitation that Jesus gives to people. To know. Not like, just come follow me and figure it out. Like, no, no, no. Taste. Begin to get a taste of that thing that once you had it, you would never hunger or thirst again. There was a, a North African bishop named Augustine, whom I love. Um, and, and he said this he, he, in a prayer that he wrote. He said, Lord, you made us for yourself. And our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Your heart, no matter who you are, where you come from, what you think about this whole thing, your heart is longing deeply to be satisfied. And that is beautiful. And there is an answer to it. And his name is Jesus. And he invites you now to know that. And you can go and you can experience that today. Let's pray. Uh, Actually, let's not pray. I keep, I'll keep forgetting this. Okay, Everyone up? Okay, pretend like we weren't praying. Um, you don't have to do this if you're uncomfy. But we don't get a lot of... No, no, you sit down. Everybody sit down. I'm like, I'm out. Everyone's like, I'm trying to find a, someone's hand that I want to hold. Um, if it is true... All right, stay, hey, hang with me. If it is true that God stepped out into our space um, to love us, you don't get much safe human touch, and neither do I. So what I'm asking you to do, if you're comfortable, you don't have to. We're going to bow our heads to pray. If you want to grab hands with the person next to you and feel that person's hand, that would be great as we pray. Um, our Father, uh, we thank you um, that you made us for yourself and that our hearts are restless till they find their rest in you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you said, if anyone comes to you that is weary and burdened that you will give rest for our souls. And Lord, all that we're asking for 
is for you to just make us interested. Make us hungry and thirsty in the right ways that you would give us a taste, even tonight, that you are there and that we don't have to reject these deep longings, nor do we have to chase these same freaking worthless thing again and again and again and again because it's so exhausting. And you said, if you're weary, to come to you. And so, Lord, we, we, we long for that. Help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody say, 